Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hi, this is Laura Berhani from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And I'm Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And we're talking today about guilt. Guilt. <laughs> we're not talking guilt, about guilt because of what I had for dinner last night. We're not talking about your mother guilting you. We're not talking about <laughs> guilt over your lifestyle. No, we're talking about guilt as it pertains to the way you relate to your animals, or the relationship that you form with your animals, or the decisions that you make about your animals. Right. Like, oh, I hate putting him in a crate when I'm in the shower, even though he's only a 12-week-old puppy. Or, I feel so bad that he's in there. Or I'm going to let him beg because he's been feeling bad because he didn't get to play with his dog friend this week. Right. He's a latchkey dog, and I have a full-time job, so I let him get away with everything to make up for it. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of ways that people make decisions about their dogs. and the Guilt and should the reason, not be one of them. Well, I think the reason that they make poor choices a lot of the time is because they're feeling guilty about something else. Right. When I try to get people to do things like control the resources, which Mm -hmm. we talk about, one of the ways that you figure out how to motivate your dog is to control the resources so that you become the person that that can give them access to the things that they want. But I know that a lot of times when I talk to people about that, there's a tremendous amount of guilt. It's not even about anything specific. Or they won't let them, if I say don't let them beg. Don't let him beg at the table. Right. Oh, well, it, he gets so sad when we make him walk away from the table. Because one of the <laughs> things that I do with people in, when they have begging dogs is is teach them to go to a spot. Right. A particular spot the during, the, during mealtime. Right. right. But there are people who will not reinforce this because, right. well, you know, he looks so sad when well, we make him leave the table. Well, how sad does he look, the fact that he's sitting there and you're actually not feeding him? Or Unless they are. Or you feed him, you feed him, and then you get mad at him next time because right. you have guests over and you don't want him begging. I don't know why he does stuff. this. Right. My husband, you know, he feeds it at the or table. You, and or you don't. get mad. You know, or you right. get mad. Somehow that the dog becomes the recipient of your, they know, believe me, they know when we're not happy with them. And, you know, he becomes the recipient of that and he doesn't even know what he did to create right, that. Right, because yesterday it was fine. But that's about consistency, and I think we will get to that. We definitely will oh, get to that on another podcast. Oh, yes. Pocket. We but, have plans for that one. But the thing is that um, so often I think one of the things that discourages people from drawing boundaries for their dogs is guilt. Right. It's about guilt and how they don't, oh, it makes my dog unhappy. My dog doesn't like that. Didn't you recently how did they have that? No, I don't know. Didn't you recently have somebody that you worked with? I think that you told me a story about this where it was um, somebody and the girl said, no, I don't like to use the kind of training where you... Um, refuse them things because yeah I think the daughter said something she said oh I don't I don't like to use the kind of training where you yell at them or I forgot how she put it. It couldn't have been yelling at I don't, them. What, no, because what she, was it? she didn't like what you were doing, and I know that wasn't something that you oh, were yes, doing. Oh, yes, yes. It was because you, yeah, because I was saying, well, don't let him sit on your lap all the time, or don't let him sit on the couch, or don't let him, you know. Well, c- yeah. common. It was, it was it was basically that I was depriving him of something she thought that, she, that he should have without having earned it. And that she felt it would make him sad if she took it away. Yeah. So that's where guilt comes in. Right. You know what? It happens a lot with resource guarding. We've, do- we've talked about resource guarding and dogs that um, will be up on the couch and then won't let somebody else come up and sit on the couch. Right. And so, of course, as a trainer, you come over and you say, okay, the dog, this dog doesn't earn that privilege. Right. This dog should not be on the couch. Right. When he starts growling at someone, instantly he's 
you know, he loses that privilege. That's right. He's removed from the couch. Because Even if the other dog is allowed on the couch. And so then they put the, the dog down and the dog gets up and they put the dog down and the dog gets up and they put the dog down and the dog gets up and then the dog and then they put the dog down and the dog walks away but he looks over he's <laughs> sulking yes he's sad oh i don't want to, i don't want him to be sad oh okay okay come here come here it's okay. i'm sorry mommy's sorry which makes whatever the behavior was a hundred times worse and then the next time that's it. So that's why I wanted to talk about guilt, because I think that a lot of times people do things, and, and if you ask them why they're doing it, it doesn't have really anything to do with thought process so much as it does, well, I feel bad. Right. So what I do with my clients is tell them, if I ask you a question and you're tempted to say, well, I feel bad, don't. <laughs> You can feel bad if you want. I mean, that's your option. I can't tell you what to do. But you need to consider the choices that you're making. If you're making them from this, the position of I'm using good training and I'm using good ideas that are going to translate for my dog and that my dog's going to understand and that will will encourage the kind of behavior or the, or the behaviors that I want to see versus I do this because of the way I feel. Right. You can, and even so, you can feel however you want. But don't let it affect how you train the dog. Yes. It's it's a mistake. And what happens as a result of that is you come up with a dog with a bunch of behaviors that have the potential to be a problem. Right. Even okay. down to dangerous behaviors. Right. Right. But along those lines, you know what can happen is that dogs learn. Dogs learn what gets them what they want. Okay? All you have to remember is that dogs do what works. And what I mean by that, if I can get to the point, mm -hmm. is that they can learn to adapt certain mannerisms to manipulate you into doing what they want. So they can learn to get a sad look on their face and lower their head. Because they know. Because they know that that worked last time. It doesn't mean that they are sad. It means that adopting this particular body language gets them what they want, gets yes. you to baby talk them, gets them to, to get a piece of food or whatever. And I have a perfect example of this. When I was doing She's movie work. She's pointing at me. So I am now, pointing so at her because really have a this, is such, this okay. is such a great example. Okay, you go. Okay. <laughs> when I was working with somebody who did movie work, um, I was working only on weekends, but my, my roommate was working during the week. And, um, you know, we we're taking care of 45, 50 dogs in these kennels. And there was this one little Jack Russell mix that was next to this German Shepherd, and they would fence fight when we would feed them. And so, of course, we would try to stop that. But one night when my roommate was working, the, the Jack Russell cut his paw, whether it was on the chain link, whether it was the other dog, I don't know. He cut his paw. So here he is. He's like in the end run, you know, the end kennel. And when we're letting them out to go to the bathroom, we have to, you know, he has to walk this really long. Granted, it's only like 45, 50 feet. But, you know, for this little Jack Russell with a cut paw, he's limping, right? right? So what does my roommate do? She's picking him up and carrying him all week long. Oh, poor Murphy, poor Murphy. She's picking him up and carrying him because he would, you know, she would look at him in the kennel and he would lower his head and look up at her with these eyes, mm -hmm. you know? And so here the weekend comes along. And I see him and I go, okay, so I pick him up the first day. Okay, oh, poor Murphy. You know, I'm feeling yeah. bad for him. He's got this, Guilt. you know. Yeah, bad. Yeah, bad okay. Feeling. But it's like it's been a week. So I guess maybe it happened towards the end of the week, and then the first weekend comes along, and he's still limping. He's obviously still in pain, so I'm carrying him along. Then the second weekend comes along, and he's still doing it. So what happens is that I pick him up. I carry him out to the run. Mm -hmm. I go in, start making the food, and he's not in the run by himself. He's out there with a whole bunch of other dogs. Mm -hmm. 
I come back out and he doesn't see me. He doesn't know that I'm there. And I stand at the gate and watch this dog racing around the yard having with the other time. dogs, right. having a wonderful time. And he runs past me, does a double take. I wish I had this on film. Looks at me, lowers his head, picks up his foot that he had been <laughs> limping on, and like whimpers mm-hmm. and starts to hop along. Because he knew that that particular behavior got him extra special attention. And I said, no, 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 I don't think so, and started laughing. Mm-hmm. And you could just see the, you know, oh, oh poop button, you know, <laughs> the bubble, bubble above his head, like, darn, you know, yes. the jig is up. Yes. But guess what? So for the rest of the weekend, he was fine with me, and I still had to laugh about it. He tried it, you know, the next time he went, uh-huh, and I went, no, I don't think so. Right. But guess what? I didn't get a chance to talk to my roommate. She comes home Monday. And says, I think we need to take him back to the vet because he's still limping. And I said, no, he's not. <laughs> he knew that I knew his secret. Well, but he didn't. He knew that she didn't. And so the way that this transfers into guilt is your dog, while he might not understand that something makes you feel guilty, he doesn't necessarily understand the underlying emotion. What he does understand is that if he behaves a certain way, you will give in, give him what he you wants. You will respond You'll in a respond. way that he wants you yes, to. Right. And so... When you're working with your dog, you have to try to work from your, anytime you're relating to your dog, again, keep in mind that if you are working with, if you are around your dog and you're relating to your dog, you are in a training situation. Your dog is always learning from every single encounter that you have with them. So if you are, are around your dog and you're, and you're interacting with him and he, you try to get him to do something that he doesn't care for or you, Whatever there's you pre, you're presented with a situation and he gives you the big moon eyes and you do the guilt thing he doesn't understand that you feel guilty but he does understand that moon eyes work yeah they get him yeah they they diffuse the situation or they they get him what he wants that's right they re, they reverse your position they they change what's happening so so don't be convinced that the look on his face is actually what he's feeling inside that's right. That's right. I think, you know, people continuously say, oh, well, that makes him unhappy. Or they continuously, when I go on appointments, they tell me what the dog is feeling. And I say the same thing that you said earlier on, which is, how do you know that? Yeah. How do you know that? And and inevitably, they're basing that on the way he looks and the way they would feel if they looked like that. <laughs> <laughs> they look in the mirror. They hold the dog up. They look at him. They look in the mirror and go, well, let's see, if I have that look on my face, oh, yeah, that's sad. Well, even if they, they have a look that they interpret as sad, then they think, well, when I'm sad, this is how I'm feeling. But when I have a sad look on my face, I feel sad. Therefore, my dog is sad. But your dog, dogs are real practical. They're real adaptive. They do what works. And so... They are going to change. What's what is it? I'm looking at. God, I'm I, really struggling. I don't here. know. Okay, well they're they they're are going to change how they how they move around and and how they deal with you based on what they want. Yes, I go to households, and I'm sure you do too, where the dog Never. walks around looking looking <laughs> where the dog <laughs> walks around looking unhappy a right. large percentage of the time. Right. Is the dog actually unhappy? I don't know, but I will tell you this that because. Inevitably, in a situation like that, the owner will be running around trying to do what the dog wants. Here, let me. Would you like a cookie? Here, let me get you a cookie. And what's actually happening is they are training the dog to look that way. That's right. Which is why the dog walks around looking like that right. all the time. Uh, is the dog unhappy? I don't know. I don't know. Neither and do it doesn't you. Matter. Neither do they. Right. In the end, though, they have been conditioned to act that way. So guilt is really destructive when it comes to a relationship with your dog. 
Yeah, if you if you feel guilty because you left your dog home alone all day, the answer to that is not to then let the dog get away with something that you wouldn't normally let him get away with. If you feel bad because when you uh, say discipline your dog in a situation where the dog is is growling at somebody, you're, he's sitting up on the couch, you're, and he's going to guard you mm-hmm. and not allow them to come near you, mm-hmm. and you put the dog down because you're not going to let that behavior go on. You're, you're, that's that's a way of disciplining that behavior. If your dog then gives you the sad look and you go, oh, I feel bad. Right. <laughs> well, he knows he did wrong. No, what he knows is what works. Yes. He knows what works. He says, you know what, I want to be up there and I want to be growling on these, at these people. And the way to get my way on this is to get the sad look. Right. It works like It's worked before. Yeah, it's work, it works like yeah. that. But you can't make up to your dog. If you're gone for hours, several hours, or if you go on vacation and you don't take your dog with you, and you feel bad because you left your dog home and, and he missed you. And, and he knows where you to went. See you. He knows where you went without him. <laughs> Even if you don't think he knows where you went, if he's excited to see you and therefore you assume that, oh, well, he must have been miserable while I was gone. And by the way, they can be very happy when you're gone and still be really happy to see you. It's not, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> but, but, and then you come home and you feel really guilty. So then you let the dog get away with a f- several behaviors that he normally wouldn't get away with. That's really a it's a poor choice because then when you put the kibosh on those behaviors, suddenly you become just unfair. Right. It worked yesterday. It's not working today. Right. Right. And to the dog, you become pretty... Inconsistent. Well, to, to unpredictable. us, you're inconsistent. But to them, you're unpredictable. Yes. And I knew it was one of those words. Confusing and, you know, maybe not trustworthy because you need to be able... To, they need to be able to trust what your reactions to things are going to be. So that's my problem with guilt and dog training. I had a, I had several instances of this when we first started talking about it, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, I think that this always hits me when I go to someone's house and they're constantly saying to me, "Well, I feel bad. Right. I feel bad. Right." But then at the same time, they're saying, "I feel bad." Like, example, crate. You tell them to put the dog in the crate when you That's can't watch them example. or when people are over or whatever. I feel bad about putting him in the crate. But guess what? Five minutes later, they tell you the crate door is open. Oh, he goes in there all the time on his own. Whoa, I, wait a minute. So you're telling me he likes the crate, but you feel bad about putting him in there? Well, I think that an even a bigger example of that is someone whose dog becomes destructive under a certain set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. And every time they come home, the dog's in hot water because the dog's been destructive and they're upset with the right. dog. So my solution is, okay, well, you need to... You need to uh, use some form of confinement so that the dog doesn't have the opportunity to misbehave in that way. Because uh, Yeah, because otherwise you're setting him up to fail. I mean, it happens one time if you continue to allow that. Okay, so it happens one time you didn't know. It should never. It should not happen again. Okay, but You then, should be able to set the dog up so that that doesn't happen. Right. So then they say to me, oh, so then I, I don't talk to them for a little bit. I, I outline a protocol for them, and I don't talk to them. And then when I talk to oh, them, Oh, it's I, not that you don't talk say, to them because you're mad at them. No, no, no. But let's okay. say I don't talk to them for a week, and they're supposed to work on it. And I and they say, well, you know, for the first three days he did really well. But then he was doing so well that I, I decided not to leave him <laughs> in the crate. And I say, okay, why is that? Or whatever form of confinement. It doesn't have to be a crate, by the right. way. It can just be a situation where the dog can't destroy something important. And, and they say... They say, well, you know, then I, I left him out, and he did really good on the fourth day, but then on the fifth day he tore something very valuable up. And I say, okay, well, why were you leaving him out? And they say, well, you know, I just feel guilty. I feel guilty putting him in that situation. Right. And I say to them, okay, so guilt, 
to assuage your guilt, you have set that dog up for failure. You have set that dog up to now be in hot water with you. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a very fair uh, decision to me. Right. Because, first of all, (laughs) you've made yourself feel better, but in reality, what you've done is diminish the dog's experiences. Right. And how good do you feel now that he chewed up something really valuable? Well, take away how you feel about it. I don't even care. But right. where it bothers me is that you make a decision based on the way that you feel and you set the dog up then to be in a situation that is negative. Right. So and where he has no it's a it's a lose lose situation for him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's there's no it, it's unfair. It's unfair. You did that to, to deal with your own guilt. That's a classic example of guilt, and that's a classic exa- example of guilt getting people in trouble. And you know what? That scenario, that little scenario, that little bit of information, you could take out the specifics of enclosure and room where the dog's done damage, and you can put in any other scenario, the dog aggressing at somebody, the dog who barks hysterically at people walking by. Uh, frequently, this happens in my to me a lot, is that I will go to a house where yes. the dog is being aggressive towards people, and they have a great big picture window that the dog can stand in all day long, chase people away. That's right. his view of what's happening right. on the property. And so I say to them, okay, you have to close them out of that room. Right. You ca- you've got to close them out of the room. You cannot have access to that for so such a long period of time. Because now, right, and because now the dog is starting to show the same behavior on a leash when they go out for a walk and they don't understand where it's coming from. Or somebody comes in the house and the dog at that point is ticked because basically he's been chasing people away all day and when you gave the when and he now gave you're the warning him to no, you, don't do that. When he gave the warning to the, the person who, this last person, this person actually had the nerve to come on in. Right. And that's a problem for the dog. So, so whatever that, but in that set of circumstances, frequently I will say to people, okay, well, you need to, you need to gate off that area. He cannot have access to that great big window. This is a huge problem, by the way. This is a huge is training it, uh, problem in general. Yeah, not only picture windows, but side gates. People Fences. have wrought iron side, yes. gate, side yeah. gates or, or even fences, yeah, fences all the way around the yard. Yeah. Any, anything like that. Anytime a dog can, can look through something and bark at anybody and chase them away. Yeah, it, it encourages more aggressive behavior. Right. But so then, you know, your solution is okay, we'll change that. You have to you have to remove that from the dog. And then you talk to the people, well, yeah, we did, but then we didn't want to do it because we were going to be left for a long period in the day and, you know, he really likes to be able to look out the window. <laughs> Guilt. Of course he likes Guilt. to be able to look out the window. He feels more powerful every time he chases somebody away. Yeah, and you're not making a good decision based on the behavior that you right. want to see and how you want to set this dog up for success. You're making a decision based on the way it makes you feel. I think that it makes the dog unhappy, so I feel guilty. And so I make this Or I feel claustrophobic, so I don't want to put the dog in the crate. Yes. Because I feel guilty about him, him possibly feeling claustrophobic. Right, but even if we get away from the the crate thing, because I think that there are people who are uncomfortable with crates, and I think that there are right. a lot of alternatives. Or exercise to pen, or a tie down, or behind a baby gate in a. I've just tried to get people to close dogs out of a particular room right. before. You know, just close them out of that front room where they can see out the window, and continuously practice the behavior of aggressing at anyone who comes right. near. And we all know practice makes perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I know We do that. know that. Because that was my original phrase. It was? That was, yeah, that was one that I developed. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, absolutely. So, anytime that you're making decisions, you have to decide, where is this decision coming from? If it's coming from a position of feeling or guilt, you really have to... You're not talking about behavior. No. You're talking about... You're talking about feelings and we're dealing with behavior 
Right, and you have to deal with behavior from your head, from uh, what you know, right. from what you, from cause and effect. What you right. know will change behavior. It, and believe me, in the long run, it's so much better for your dog. Yes, absolutely, because it's less confusing for your dog too. Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and a lot of times also, your guilty feeling depends on what kind of mood you're in. Right. You know, if you've had a, if you've had a really good day at work you know, or a really bad day at work, or let's say you're really emotional because of something else, you're more likely to see guilt, to feel guilty because you see sadness or something in your dog. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. It's very, very dependent on what's what's going on in right. your life at that time. Uh, furthermore, you should know, and this is just a fact, dogs don't relate to each other that way, and they don't relate to us that way. Yeah. <laughs> the dogs don't walk around, you know, over being overly emotional about things. You can have a dog that reacts, and, and I'm not saying that dogs don't have any feelings. There's a difference between having feelings and being emotional. Right. All right. So I guess we've done that one to death. I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us. I'm Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Burhini from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank you. Bye. You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.